0: And to teach, and I get a feeling that when Jesus taught, we can, and we understand why we, there's a need for a and there's, you know, there's a need to actually carve out time to minister the word, and we're not about to go on and get all hip and trendy and say actually we don't need this, we do need this. Let me be clear. But I also want to just purposely come down amongst you because Jesus actually came amongst the people and taught very much like this. And particularly as we just address the subject of discipleship, because that's what we're going to be looking at. But before I get to that, because I don't want to jump too far ahead, last week if you didn't get the, if you weren't here and you didn't get the message, and somebody's already said it isn't on the podcast, and will look at that. If you want to look at a Really church, Ilkeston, and look at the first part of Thieves and Occupants, you'll actually get the message that Phil preached last week in Ilkeston, he preached it three or four weeks earlier because we're running a little bit behind here. And the reason why I say that is because it will set us up. Because last week, Phil just laid in the whole thought of there are thieves that come. And there are thieves that come in the natural and they come to our house. Some of you here have had the unfortunate experience of walking into your house and you've actually been robbed. People have gone through your, 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 you know, your personal possessions. They've trashed the house. It's an awful feeling. Yeah. And what's in the natural is so in the spiritual, but the, real, the realization is that many churches don't even know they've had a thief come in and rob them. They've gone through everything. They've caused t- chaos and turmoil. And, we, and, and the thing is, churches have allowed that. They've allowed those. They've allowed those things. And not even have allowed them, they've said, come on in, you're welcome. What am I talking about? Rejection. It's in a lot of churches. They allow that thief to come in. Offense. People still living offended. 30 years later. This lady had a fallout with this lady and now it's followed to this sister and now this grandchild and this grandchild and now the twain shall meet. They all go back to the root of it. It's a fence. We have to deal with these things. Rejection. People get rejected. Yeah. Where, you know, I feel rejected. And and then that becomes an occupant of the house. And the, the final thing was religion. I'm sorry, control. Religion and control. These are things that become very much in a church if we don't keep them out. And they're thieves, that we do not want these things in the life of the church. So all I will say to you is, please, listen to the podcast. It will really help you. Now that was, in some ways, it wasn't negative, but that was the negative side of it. We were saying, these are the things we don't want in the church. So here's the question. What things do we actually want in the church? Yeah. What do we actually want to furnish the house with? Yeah. What do we want to the very core of our being? One of those things is discipleship. And I want to take the opportunity for a few moments to talk around that. But before I do that, we want to tag this. And at the end of this series, we will hopefully have a a booklet, a brochure, that we don't want it to be just then stuffed in our Bible, never to return to. We want it to be something that lives and breathes in the life of Arena Church. And we're calling it our Arena behaviours. Now if I can just make a comment around the word behaviour, because some people would say, well, you know, so you, there's a particular way, it's robotic, there's a way that I've got to live, there's a certain style that I've got to have, so does it mean that all the pastors have to wear uh, fairly skinny jeans and open-neck shirts and, you know, brown boots? and Well, clearly not, because this man is not going to start wearing skinny jeans and having a slick rib hairstyle that goes across. Oh, so I've not got and, any length. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's clearly not going to be the case, okay? It's clearly not. But there are, there, are certain, there are certain attitudes of heart that we want everybody to just sign into. So let me just bring clarity to this statement, arena behaviors, and you'll see on the screen, you can follow it, this is what one of our young guys we are tasked to write it and and it's it's just a great statement and it says there our behaviours aren't to make you fall in line or fit in diversity and difference are a part of who we are at Arena they don't refer to the clothes you wear or the music you listen to our goal isn't to get you to behave it's to help you to follow Jesus the reality is Arena is full of imperfect people. People who were broken, people who were lost, people who were hurt. But through a relationship with Jesus, have been radically changed. Our behaviours create a platform for Arena to flourish. They create freedom and protection for our community. You see, in your house you have certain behaviours so that house can function. These may be things like, everyone helps tidy the table or no shoes inside the house. Different houses have different behaviours to protect and promote the house. Our house arena is no different. We have certain behaviours that we expect our community to agree to so that our house can flourish. Yeah. Who loves that statement? I love that statement. And one of those behaviours, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the behaviours, values, thoughts, attitudes that we want to see in the house, we want to furnish a really church with. And one of those behaviours is discipleship. Now some of you immediately, I don't want to assume anything tonight, I I just want to almost look at you as though you know nothing, because you use the word discipleship and immediately you go to disciple and immediately you go to some of those old films where you see um, disciples walking around and they have long hair, beards, robes and sandals. And we think that's, being a disciple. And of course, that's not what we're talking about today. We're not all about, at the end or by the end, of, uh, as you go out, we've got a robe for you all to take away with. And, and we've got some sandals for you. And we've got some uh, beards and, and some hair for some of you guys. Who we're, no, we're not about to do that, okay? So what am I talking about when I say discipleship? What am I talking about when I use the word disciple? What I'm talking about is a learner. That's the root word of it. It means to be a learner. It means to come under someone and learn from them. It's interesting. I I, I sometimes see some of the things that my children do, our children do. And particularly some of the things that, you know, I spend a lot of time with the children and spend a lot of time with Isaac because those who know our family, you know, we've got three girls and a boy. And of course, he's outnumbered. So I just make sure that I have plenty of male time with him. I do lots of male stuff with him to really, you understand, but, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's good, it's good for him. But what I've seen in him, it, there's particular things that he hasn't just, he hasn't just caught from anybody, he's caught them from me. It, there's certain, there's certain even things that he likes to eat. Chips and also ribs, meat, steak, just bring it on, mixed grills, he just... There's things that He's learned from me. And this is what we're talking about. Discipleship is us learning, learning from Jesus, but also learning from other experienced, mature people on the journey with the the goal and the aim of becoming more like Jesus. I think Jesus is worth following. I don't know about you. Yeah. I think he is worth following and giving our lives to. That's just my thought. That's just my thought. He is worth living and he's worth following. And so when we talk about discipleship, that's exactly what we're talking about. But before we launch into it, I just want to just take a verse. What if we could just get it on the screen, Chris, if that's possible. We'll read it from the NIV, if that's Okay. And if you've got a Bible with you, please turn with me to Acts in chapter 2. For Acts in chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 36 and ver- through to verse 38. And it reads there. So let me give you the context again. The Spirit of God has been poured out. Jesus has now ascended to the Father. He's given them an instruction which we'll come on to. That runs through the Gospels where he says, Now as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptising them. So there's the, they call it the Great Commission, those who have been around church for a while, the Great Commission. And yet, the church has never really fulfilled it, other than the early church. Certainly this 21st century church, uh, Western culture is certainly not fulfilling it. The, the, the churches in Asia, and the churches in Africa seem to be doing it. I'm, I'm being a little bit naughty, because I'm trying to stir us up. This is our commission, this is still the commission. God says, as you go, Make disciples. And this is what we're here. This is what we're called to do. Not just to gather on a Sunday night and enjoy great worship and enjoy great presentations and enjoy great work and enjoy great fellowship. And we want all of that. Anybody know what I'm... Yeah, we want all of that. But actually, it's for us to go and make disciples. Yes. And so Peter comes, the Spirit of God has been poured out, and he brings a message to around 3,000 people uh, and beyond. some There's actually more than 3,000 who responded. But a huge crowd, thousands were there. And this is part of what he actually says to them. He says there, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, listen, both Lord and Messiah. Everybody say Lord and Messiah. Lord. Do it again. Lord and Messiah. Lord. It's there on purpose. So this Jesus whom you crucified he's made both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I want to say it still hasn't changed. The answer for us to gain relationship with Jesus and for us to get back to God is not through good works. It's not through merit. It's not through anything that we can do. It's not by bungling a few quints charities. It's not by paying your taxes and that's all God. It's not about attending church. It's about repenting of our sins. And asking Jesus Christ to forgive our sins. There's about 3,000 who did that. But what I noticed about this particular point is this. The phraseology that Peter uses. He talks about war and Messiah. Now, I have a problem with the church. I'm, when I say the church, because we are the church. Again, I want to speak specifically to the Western culture. And if I can even bring it down even closer to the United Kingdom. Let's, let's come even closer. Let's go to the East, East Midlands. Let's go even closer. Let's come to Mansfield tonight, shall we? Because the problem is, with many, many churches, we camp at one and we never progress to the next. Jesus was declared as both Lord and Messiah. People have received Him as Messiah, Savior. There are many people, you're here tonight, you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is your Savior. You realize that you were a sinner and you needed a Savior. You recognize that you were in a mess and there was one who could sort out your mess. You knew that you were... Failing, And you knew there was one who could help you in your failure. And his name is Jesus. And you responded to this Jesus. And he became your savior. You recognized that he hung up on a cross for you. For your sins. And you received him as savior. And now you have the ticket. The ticket says that if anything was to happen to you tonight. You would be in the presence of God. That's the guarantee. There's the cast iron guarantee. If anything was to happen to those who have called on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you're saved. So if anything was to happen to you, you'd be in the presence of God. And we have the ticket. The problem is this. There is a second part to what Peter declared. He didn't just say the offer is our Savior. He also spoke of him being Lord. And most of us, and many people, have camped just at him being saviour. I wasn't aware Andy was going to lead us in "I Surrender All," and I certainly had no clue that Phil was then going to lead us just at the end with those comments. And if you had an ear, you would have heard something. It does sound so simple, "I Surrender All," but get it so costly. It's not impossible. And the Lordship speaks of Him being master, the king, the government over our lives. And this is where the cost comes. And so most people say that's too costly. So I'll carry on with my way of being my saviour. But the Lordship stuff because let me talk to you what lordship really looks like. And I'm speaking to myself here. Lordship means he becomes the authority over my life. Most of us don't like authority. We don't like his authority. And guess what? He's also put leaders in position to bring authority over our lives. And we don't like that. That means we have to submit. I'm not submitting to anybody. I've had so many people who've said, I'm not submitting to anybody. And they've walked away. I will not submit. I will not submit. This is what it means to be, to be Lord over our lives. The Lordship over, over my life means, how do I treat my spouse? Yeah. Now, we're not always going to get it right here in Caroline, but again, I've seen so many Christian leaders treat their spouses appallingly. Yeah. Appallingly. Yeah. You know, God sees everything. Yeah. Nothing is hidden from Him. We can talk the talk. It all looks great. But when it boils down to, when it really drives down to, Jesus is really looking at our hearts. Yes, and he wants to be saviour of our lives. He came to save us, but he also wants to be the Lord of our lives. What areas of our lives do we need to submit to him? They're not nice messages, they're not easy messages to preach, but they're so valuable, these messages. And this is what we're talking about in Arena Church, that we're not just wanting the celebration of Him being Saviour. And boy, do we want that. I know we enjoyed that song, I think that song really did it. For me, it was just terrific, absolutely lovely action. I felt like a little bit of a reggae man, actually, I was getting on down. Did you watch me at the front, I was getting down, man. Are my kids here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Eleanor. She loves all this. She's just, she hates it. Me and Jay Z, we get down. (laughs) He's savior. But he's Lord. He's Lord. That means that our behaviour changes because we want to become more like him. And we're all on a journey. We're all, well, we all need to be on the journey of becoming more like Jesus. So when Peter brought that message, it was a very, very profound message. Because he doesn't just want Jesus to be received as Savior, but also Lord. Here's a Bible verse. It says in Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, Verse 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This will cost you everything. Salvation will cost you nothing, it's free. Lordship will cost you everything. That's why I smile to myself when people say these Christians, you weak willed you're just pathetic, you're a bunch of wimps. I'm thinking, Really? Really? This cost me everything. Literally every day, I have to make a choice. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's costly. It's so easy to just go with the flow. It really is. It's so much easier. But Lordship costs me everything. I was in a conversation today with with just one of our ladies who came from a life of crime. And something's happened in her family. And retribution was normally the way, samurai, swords, hammers. That was her life. Cost her everything as she talked to me. Something happened to her family and they normally would take retribution. If they can't sort it, they'll pay for somebody to go and sort it. That's the life that she came from. And here she is, she's saying, I can't do anything. Her husband sat on his, on his, on his, because he wants to do something. But he knows he can't do anything because of the lordship that needs to sit over over their lives. And guess what? He ain't even a Christian. But he recognized Jesus as being Lord over their house because of earth. It's very interesting. It costs us everything. You see, committed disciples make great leaders. I think it's the disciple first and the leader second. The call to be a disciple and make disciples. Now let me just say what discipleship is and what it's not. First of all, discipleship is not automatic. It's not automatic. It needs to be intentional. Phil crafted these thoughts. I wish I could have taken the credit for them, but I can't. I'm not. You know me. I'm just me. He's crafted these, but discipleship is not automatic. It needs to be intentional. Discipleship is not mystical, but it needs to be practical. Discipleship is not instant but involves a process. Discipleship is not just knowing. It's demonstrated. And discipleship is not private. I'm one of these private Christians. No such thing. It's relational. It's out there. Either are or you're not. Pope Francis describes the Bible's discipleship like this. When we walk without the cross, when we build without the cross, and when we proclaim Christ without the cross... We're not disciples of the Lord, but we're worldly. We may be bishops, priests, cardinals, popes, all of this, but we are not disciples of the Lord. Discipleship, I believe, is rooted in the cross and it's founded upon His Lordship over our lives. So what is the purpose of the discipleship? You say, Christian, you're getting pretty pumped about this discipleship, deal. Well, but what's the purpose? Okay, it's... About being a disciples, man. his lordship. Well, what, 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 what happens here? What's the big deal here? What is the great fuss about it? Well, I think there's, there's many things, but I just want to narrow it to three particular thoughts that I've got in my closing moments. And I've already alluded to one, so I may not need to spend too much time, but the purpose of discipleship is to bring us to a place, first of all, of surrender and sacrifice. I've said before, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us our lives. Jesus was a disciple. He was. Because when he said in the garden of Gethsemane, when he knew what he was being led to and the death that he was going to have to endure, I want to say nobody took it from him. He gladly gave of his life. But as as he swept blood through his pores, and as he was there in the garden, felt completely alone, because he knew the weight of sin that was going to rest upon him. Can you imagine the awfulness? Never mind the pain that is gone, but the, the, the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future, resting upon him. The whole sense of evilness upon him is huge. And as he knelt before the Father, he said, if you could take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Surrender and sacrifice. It's not because God is wanting to inflict pain upon us and hurt upon us, but he wants us to become transformed into his likeness. For us to become likeness. God, for us to become like Jesus in our nature, for our nature to be transformed—the stuff that can be in our hearts. Our national leader at the Sundays of God conference was very moved by it as he began to talk about how we didn't ever have an issue with retribution and causing pain upon people but he spoke about how the heart is desperately wicked and some situation that has just been thrust upon he and his wife and the whole family and how he wanted to feel need to take revenge and he just felt that whole sense of just something flowing up within it. See the reality is God wants to bring us to a point where we become more like Jesus where that stuff is gone and we become like him. John the Baptist. Many people were promoting him as something special. And he was a great prophet. But he declared about himself that he was not worthy to untie the sandals upon Jesus' feet. And he then makes a statement, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. William Boone, who's preached... In this building, around probably this spot here, General William Booth. I love saying that. You can tell I get a great kick out of that. He said this, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. People who are disciples, listen to me, are marked by a humility... A kindness, a contentment, a joy is found nowhere else. Secondly, the purpose of discipleship. Well, it's a place where we are shaped to become like Jesus. We're shaped to become like Jesus. The question is, how are we shaped? Well, I think we're shaped through people. I think people are a great point of discipleship. We have Paul and Liz here who head up our small groups program. And we've got a a, a number of small group leaders here. And it's imperative for you to know, I know you do know this, that people are are shaped in relationship with one another. The, The commission was to go and make disciples. You can't make disciples if you're not first a disciple. But as we become disciples, we then go and make disciples and we become shaped in relationships. There's no doubt about it. I'm shaped. I am the man that I am, go or bad, through my relationships, through my experiences, through things that have happened to me. I also remember the, uh, the previous pastor at Ilkeston. Uh, I had a, an appointment with him every Monday morning to meet with him. And over a few weeks, I was consistently late. Just by one or two minutes. I remember him just at the end of that saying to me, can I just say something about, to you, Christian? You are always late, and it needs to stop. And he was really, really firm in terms of how he, how he addressed me. What he was actually doing was just addressing something in me that was actually wasn't good. It was discipleship. I know it's a soft thing, and if you're constantly late, feel rebuked tonight. Okay, no, I'm only joking. But, you know, there are areas in our lives that need changing. And it takes people to come often to draw alongside us and to challenge us, to encourage us, to move us forward. That's how we become more like Jesus, but we're also shaped through our circumstances. The thing that I do not like is uh, sitting with people in their grief. It's not that I don't like doing that, but I find it, I, 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 I in the early days, I was told to all the tears back when I was with somebody who just somebody who's lost somebody, I, I think that's what pastors have to do, they just have to hold it all in and bottle it all in, and then I realised actually I was wasn't the way to do it. I just need to cry with them. So that's what I started to do. And it's the it's the worst thing actually when you're sitting with people in grief or in turmoil or pain or suffering. But what I've realized is this discipleship happens not just through people but also through circumstances, because grief, pain, disappointment loss, abandonment, abandonment, shapers. They shape us. I've learned more by the failures than the successes. I've learned more through the losses than I have through the wins. I've learned learned more through the hardship than I have through dancing on the mountaintop. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's why I think it's a bit crazy that people come to Jesus and think everything's going to be sorted. We are shaped. He uses circumstances to shape us, even some difficult circumstances, but he shapes us. The goal is for us as a community to become more like Jesus. Because people like Jesus transform the world. What do you say in the book of Acts? There were 12 disciples, and they, well, there was more than that. Because there, there was 120 in the upper room. But let's just take the 12. They said, these people, how can these people turn the world? upside down. You've heard pastors and preachers say this before, but we have the potential to turn the world upside down here. The big challenge is to all of us, and I speak to myself, it's like a mirror. It will only happen as Jesus goes beyond being Lord, goes beyond being Saviour, and he becomes what? We embrace the whole aspect of being a disciple of Jesus. And those kinds of people will turn the world upside down. Those kinds of people will transform the political, the business, the educational, the health, the church, society in general. They just will. Those kinds of people. Lastly, the purpose of discipleship is to shine bright, bring in light to many I keep going ahead of myself. Disciples change the world. We are called to be salt and light, to love and serve. You've heard me say this before. Phil gave me a prophetic word about a discontent, a holy discontent. What was the phrase you used? It was like a holy... I think you used the word frustration. That's the word I'm trying to get. A holy frustration. I thought, well, that's a nice word, isn't it? Anybody want to word like that? It's true. I have a holy frustration when I look out. Please, you need to understand. Let me just talk as one of the pastors here. Those who are far away in church. I genuinely love you all. I genuinely love you all. With all your quirks. With all your quirks. Because you've got a pastor with the pastors with all our quirks. But I live with the frustration because I see thousands upon thousands of people who have no relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to say at times I want to leave you and just want to connect with people out there. The purpose of discipleship is that we will go and reach the world. If discipleship just means that we keep building more and more people here, that you heard me say that is not the true test of the church. How many people come? It's it's lovely, but the true test and measure of the church is how many people go. Because yeah. the commission was, as you go into all the world, go and make disciples. We we take away. I keep using that word, as you go. So just did a little, little bit of a looking at it. It says, go into all the world. In Matthew 28, it's wrong. It, uh, the actual uh, original is as you go. I like that better because go is an inference. Well, I make my mind if I want to. but as you go, well, you, you're going. As you've got. We are called to be salt and light, guys. Kieran yeah. and Mansfield, we're called to be salt and light. We can't keep just looking at these empty chairs and saying, well, they're just empty chairs. And I'm quite happy here because they're, they're lovely. There used to be eight of us. There used to be eight of us in the church. And now we've got this building and this lovely small groups. And Paul and Liz are so lovely. And they take care of us so lovely. And Philip and Zelia, are lovely. And Glenn's, oh, they're so lovely. Oh, and they all lovely? Let they tell totally you they're lovely? <laughs> Oh, you're lovely. But it's not about us. Sorry for making you uncomfortable. It's not about us. It's about these empty seats. It's about every one of these empty seats that's got a relative, a friend, a neighbour, a work colleague, a young person, mom, a child, a whole family. I'll just talk about this church. We'll talk about the churches at Mansfield. We're called to be disciples so we can go and make disciples. So we can impact the world. We cannot just stay where we are, church. I just want to stir in these closing moments. We can't just stay where we are. Because otherwise I'll have a holy frustration. And the holy frustration will, be, will lead me to say, I'm not I'm not pushing on you. You're lovely people, but I'm going. So I want to connect with people who don't know Jesus. Because you do know Jesus. You've got your ticket. Hello? You know you're going to heaven. And actually it's your, your choice to be a disciple. Not mine. I can't make you one. But there's people out there who don't know any difference. Come on i we been having conversations. Talking about people. Because we're just trying to connect with people in our world. We're often say they don't know any difference. They don't know any difference. They've just got a disciple. And it's our mission. To break disciples over people's lives. And to see them released. Coming out of darkness into light. To see people set free by the power of Jesus. To declare this gospel wherever we can. Wherever we can. And see people changed by the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. So as for me, that's what I want to give my life to. I want to shine bright and see many come to Jesus. In closing, what does this mean? I don't know whether we've got it on the screens, Chris. We may have, we may not have, for discipleship. Do we have that? We don't. Let me just give you five things. Right. What does this mean for us at Arena? Yeah, we will commit to the ongoing development. Of our spiritual journey to become more like Jesus. I could preach all one of these my time All I will say on this, it's not our job to get you on a spiritual journey, it's your job. Do yeah. you know Jesus? It's your job. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Bible training school is wonderful, small groups is wonderful, and we need to do all that, but it's your job, not our job to get you on a spiritual journey. You either want it or you don't. And all boom, but you either want it or you don't. Secondly, we will continually be open to God's word and other godly people speaking into our lives whilst maintaining a teachable spirit at all times. Number three, we will seek God first at all times. There was a series that we did last autumn, God first. Number four, We will face the challenge of dying to ourselves and our needs and so live for God. And number five, we will fulfill his last command to us by going into all the world to make disciples We will not play safe or settle. Just leave that there. We will not play safe or settle. We will not play safe or settle you come here because you want this to be a settled place. <coughs> we want you to feel safe. That's one thing the leadership brings. Safety. But we are not about the settled. God has called us to go on a pilgrimage. To pioneer. To see this town. This one corridor. Touched by the power yeah. of the gospel. I for one want to give my life. Jesus not just because he's my Savior but also because he's my Lord I want to bow our heads in prayer (laughs) for the guys come and join us